0: your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulet. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulet As always, you're not going to believe it, but Nazem Kadri still has not signed a contract as of July 31st. But we're not going to spend the entire episode talking about that today because I think we've done, what, like four of those at this point? Oh, more. Feels like feels like 30. Yeah, we're coming up on three weeks since free agency opened. But we've got a little fun episode all planned out today. We finally bring on another guest so we can break up the monotony of having to listen to, to us every single time. And we've got a pretty good one. J.J. Jerez of the Hockey Mountain High podcast took the time out of his day to join us, talk everything about the abs recapping this off season and really fun conversation about his experience in Tampa Bay for game six, interacting with a lot of those abs players and just a lot of behind the scenes stuff for what goes on for some of those AVS media guys. I, I thought it was an excellent conversation.
1: I got to ask all the questions I wanted to ask a, a press guy about what it's like, because it is such an interesting um, aspect of the game that you don't really get to see. So I had a really, really good time talking with JJ. I asked a ton of uh, what I considered uh, stupid questions, but I I needed to know an answer to them. So um, JJ was very gracious, uh, took time out of his busy day to uh, spend some time with us and uh, hopefully have him back on
0: again soon. Yeah, I mean, we all had a great time. Hopefully we'll have him on again pretty soon. But a little bit for everyone in this one. We're talking about the Avs their their run of the cup obviously off season or i guess lack thereof off season with the very few moves they've made some cadre talk for those who are still into it some other stuff what they could do second line center stuff then breaking it up with some behind the scenes and some stories it's almost like a real podcast for once it's fun i I know it's crazy it's maybe after
1: what 85 episodes we've done together probably more we're we finally we're finally figuring this out a little
2: bit. Yeah, we're so. getting
0: some stuff together. So I hope you guys enjoy this little conversation with JJ. And we will be back after that, after about, a, I haven't measured it, about 50 minutes. And yeah, we'll, we'll be see. back recapping that and just about everything else that we missed. So I hope you guys enjoy our little talk. And we'll see you then. All right and we are joined by JJ Jerez of the Hockey Mountain High podcast. JJ, thank
2: you so very much for taking the time out of your busy day to join us. How are you doing today? I'm all right. Um it's Sunday night. I've got men's league today and uh in that men's league game I kind of hurt my oblique so limping my way through the day but uh, no, feeling good. Happy to be on this podcast with you guys and um, You know, I, I love the way the podcast, especially the podcast tree in avalanche land has really grown over the last, what, three, four years. So um, no, yeah, I'm here to support you guys. And and thanks for having me. Yeah, and no we... problem. It,
0: it's been a blast. And it's, you're right. It's been great to see just how much avalanche content has sprung up over the last couple of years. Even weirder that people consider us a part of that circle because it's it's been such a short amount of time for us, but we really appreciate you coming on and and joining us today because we are really struggling for some content right now because there is not a lot of AV stuff to talk about at the moment. But the offseason around the league has been pretty interesting. But for the Avs, and I bet we're all probably pretty sick of talking about it at this point, but it seems like the conclusion is drawn a little closer every day. It's Nazem Kadri. And here we are, the last day of July as we're recording this, still no contract coming up on three weeks from now we have a little bit of a report saying that the islanders are very close to making a deal with him but how how are we here at this point where there's three weeks without a contract and how do you see this going at this point
2: right no contract that we know of right right um i think a lot of us here are holding on to the hope and just Every minute that ticks by, we're convincing ourselves that it's a good thing for the Avalanche and it's likely that Kadri's going to resign. And, uh, you know, I think we're all kind of giving us our- ourselves false hope in that sense. It seems like the writing's on the wall. Everybody's pretty much accepted throughout the year that Nazim Kadri was gone. But all of a sudden, since free agency and since he took so long to make this decision, we're all talking ourselves into the opposite. Um, you know, we heard from 32 Thoughts that that the Abs weren't really moving, weren't planning on moving Sam Gerrard at all. Um, We haven't heard many other rumors floated around as to what possible other moves the avalanche could be doing. So, I mean, if if we're being honest with ourselves, it feels like Cadre's as good as gone. It's just a matter of waiting for that report. So um, all, yeah, I mean, that's what all of us here in avalanche land are doing, are are waiting for the Nazem Cadre news to drop just in case it bounces in the avalanche's way, but it it just doesn't feel like it's going to. And um, I think the avalanche are ready for that. Right. I think, one thing you always have to credit them with is they think two steps ahead. They they often have plan B, C, and D ready to rock when plan A doesn't go down. So I think they were prepared for this as well. And I, I'm not sure if they're done for the off season. I, I doubt it, but I think um, I think the Cavs have have a plan of where they're going to go.
1: Yeah, I think we're both we're all in that all in that spot where you've accepted it, but you're just waiting for it to finally be announced. Um, and I, I, at this point now, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about this on August and on August 30th. And it's like, oh, he still hasn't signed a
2: contract, especially if Um, it's with
0: the Islanders. That's a big problem for all of us waiting for it because Lou keeps those cards very close to the chest. Yeah. So if it is the Islanders,
1: I I want Nazim Khadjid to get paid. I'd love for him to be back, but I agree. The writing's on the wall. So I've mentally accepted the fact that he's going to leave, but I did want to touch on that point that you brought up earlier, JJ, um, what are your thoughts around Sam Gerard H- Have you heard anything about the Abs even having an inclination to move him? Because it it seems every report we've heard is that the Abs aren't going to move him, but all the fans online are saying that we should move him. Where, where do you kind of lie on that
2: uh, um, topic? Yeah, actually, uh, I think two weeks ago I hopped on the DNVR podcast, and me and Jesse got kind of deep into that very topic because it, it it I was still on the fence. I Kind of throughout that episode, talked myself into all right. You have Bo and Byram. Obviously, K.O. McCarr is the head guy. So in reality, you're you're kind of stuffing Sam Gerard on that third pairing. And at five million dollars a year, is it really worth having a third pairing in defenseman at five million dollars a year? However, I think he he brings a ton to the table. I love his game. I love I love his IQ. I think the way he thinks the game kind of surpasses his lack of size. Right. I think that's really the big knock on him. Um, I, I I also made the point with Kale McCarr right. Kale McCarr had a really awesome stretch heading into the playoffs and pretty much playing a ton of games there for the Avalanche. But that's not common for him. He tends to get banged up here and there, and and he he does miss some games. So when he does miss some games, you need to have that plan B and that plan B isn't just going to be Bowen Byram for the extent of his career. Cause he too tends to get banged up here and there. So I think you need to keep Sam Gerard around for insurance purposes on top of what he brings to the table. I mean, you can't deny. I, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's so, Funny how some players just are are black or white with Avalanche fans, right? They either love them or they want them out of town. And there's so many players throughout the years that I can think of that have been like that. And Sam Gerard has really... Blossomed into one of those players, so um, I I, I like I like what he brings. I think he's a, a major contributor. At five million dollars a year, it's a little bit high, but I think towards the end of that contract, we're going to be liking the five million a year. So I think you keep Sam Girard around. The defense is really the the reason that this team got as far as they did, especially in the playoffs. Of course, Nazim Kadri was was eighty seven points throughout the year, eighty six um, would have been hundred if he didn't get hurt. Exactly. So I mean that's tough to replace. But I think it's even tougher to replace the defensive core he had in front of him, which is why they were able to just slide a guy like Darcy Kemper in so easily and find success, right? Usually a goalie takes a while to acclimate. He took, what, a month or two and and was at the top of the league for a while. So the defensive group, I think, is, is too important that you got to kind of keep them together more than the uh, forward groups, I guess.
0: Exactly. And especially now that you look at what they're investing in their goaltending, acquiring Alex Georgiev and running it back with Pavel Francouz, it is really important to keep investing in that defense, especially this year, and especially with some of the internal options you do have at second line center, which is where I wanted to take this next is, what do you think is the most realistic option to replace Nazem Kadri, assuming he is gone? Is it putting Rantanen down at second line center, new hookup, comp for up, or do they look to the free agent market for a cheaper replacement? What are your thoughts?
2: I think at this point, it makes the most sense to give Miko Ranton in that shot. And if it fails, you have guys that you could slide in the lineup, like you said. I mean, Newhook, O'Connor, Ben Myers. um, I'm just rattling off centers that don't necessarily play center, right? So you have a plethora of centers within that system, and you don't necessarily have to search outside of it because of that. And for that reason, you also have that flexibility when it comes to free agency. You can find um, just the best fit for your team rather than hanging your, or I guess, crutching yourself by looking for a two C, right? If, you've, if you're specifically just looking for that second center and not being too flexible, you're going to end up maybe getting somebody that you don't necessarily want. So I think, yeah, I, I think you can look within the team for that two center replacement right now, especially while you're waiting for that cap to go up um, and, you know, maybe just play it by ear as the season starts here, right? You still have a little bit in cap space. So wait to see um, a little bit what your team needs the most at that point. Cause obviously it's going to be a different looking team. Wait to make those adjustments until you get a good idea of what the team's looking like in the regular season.
1: Yeah, I like it. And we talked about Alexander Georgiev and Pavel Fransos Um, Darcy Kemper signs with the Washington Capitals, gets his payday off for winning the Stanley cup. Do you think there's going to be a steep drop-off in goaltending, or do you think we're we're going to be a-okay? Because we've we've said on the show that we both love Darcy Kemper. We think he think he took a lot of shit during the year. Um, that wasn't necessarily his fault. Uh, but even in the playoffs after his eye injury he wasn't particularly great. I mean, the Avs won with him not having super great games. Uh, do you think there's gonna be a drop-off in the goaltending play at all?
2: Uh, that's back to that defensive structure, right? I mean, right. I'd like to think that you can just slide any goalie in there and it might be similar results because, yeah, Darcy Kemper was never this amazing goaltender. I mean, I think we were all excited to see what he could do because we had seen him in the past with some weak teams and, and he was impressive, but none of us were really sold on him until, what, maybe late December, early yep. January? So, um, yeah, I think, I think uh, is it going to drop off? That's the that's the dice we're rolling here, right? That's the unknown. And going with a younger goalie, it, it it's a question mark. I think Pavel Francuz is the perfect backup, because if all else fails, I love what Pavel Francuz brings to the game. Can he can he single handedly carry a team? I'm not sure, but um, no, I, I I like the goalie move. I think it's risky, but again, I'm not sure that the Avalanche. Of course, they would like to go back to back, but I don't think that winning this year is at the utmost of their priorities, right? I mean, we even heard from Nathan McKinnon when he was still on the ice, I think it was, after the Stanley Cup game, saying, I don't know if we'll even be back here next year talking about how he's going to get fat, talking about you know <laughs> this and that. And it, it just kind of seems like they're setting themselves up to be like, you know what, let's take a deep breath, do the best we can next year, and kind of wait for this uh, cap situation to resolve itself before we really get aggressive again. So, um, you know, it's not like they're rebuilding, but they might be taking a step back, reassessing what they have, and figuring out how to best move forward and, and how to best build the team. I don't know. What do you guys think? Does that feel like a, an accurate, again you don't want to ever say that these professionals don't want to win the championship but it seems like they might be a little bit realistic with this upcoming season
0: I mean I think that definitely works out when you think about the fact that they're going to not have Nazem Kadri anymore they're losing Berkey probably putting Lekanen up in that spot my thing with that is just you look at the west right now and Christian and I have talked about this in the past you really look at the there's like maybe two teams that can realistically challenge you. And it's St. Louis and Edmonton, Minnesota's took a big drop off this off season there. You just really don't know what they're going to be. Nashville got a little better, but is it better to beat the abs four times in a seven game series Calgary? They're a big question mark for next season, losing two star players, but getting Huberto back in there. I don't know if the abs are going to be as ridiculously dominant as they were last season, I just wonder have they dropped off enough to lose 4 games in a playoff series when they lost 4 times in the entire postseason run.
2: Yeah, I think that's a fantastic point while they may be taking a step backwards this next season they they can afford that step backwards yeah. cuz they were about what four or five steps ahead of everybody else. So, um yeah, maybe it doesn't hurt their team nearly as much as we think to uh, to do these kind of quote-unquote rebuilds, but uh no, I think that's an awesome point for sure.
1: Yeah it's the west is just so mediocre that it's I really do think that the abs they could have they could have won with their like eyes closed this year in the West. Like the Edmonton was the toughest challenge and we still swept them and St. Louis. I know they're going to say if Bennington was healthy, yada, yada, but the Avs dominated, it seemed like every game in that series. And if it wasn't for uh, Kemper having a couple shaky games, I I really think that they Avs could have won that series in five or the historic collapse that they had in game five.
0: Um, They were very very close to winning that in five regardless.
1: Very close, but I, I look at it and, I do think they, they could come out slow next year. I think the championship hangover is going to be a real thing. And all of abs nation is going to freak out when they're going to be like 500
0: through November. It's, it's what they do, isn't it? I mean, yeah. they were 500 in October this season. They were 500 to start the season two years ago. And, you know, you look at how Kemper took a while to adjust to the ab system and everything going, coming from Arizona. I think Georgiev is going to probably struggle a little bit coming from a backup role with the Rangers to, a at least tandem role with François. And we're probably going to see the goaltending not be as great to start the year, get better over time. I think it's just going to be a pretty quintessential ab season, maybe start off a little shaky, things work out, and maybe by December, January, they just start going on runs again. Because I'm, I'm really not concerned about winning the division unless St. Louis has this ridiculous season. But they didn't get by, better either. Their biggest signing was Nolichari and their goaltending depth I'd argue, you got worse. And so I'm just, I don't know, the regular season, I think we've kind of learned it doesn't mean a whole lot. As long as they make the playoffs and have home ice, at least in the first round, it's really not that concerning.
2: Yeah, that was the common Joe Sayaka quote, right? The uh, wake me up when the playoffs start. I think that's going to kind of be the mindset around here because, you know, Joe, Joe Sackick's kind of at the helm, but at, on the last hockey mountain high podcast, not sure if you guys got the chance to listen to it, but Arif and I broke down the central division goaltending. And in the last couple of years, we've seen this musical chairs played around the NHL with goaltenders. And you saw again this year in, in the central division, I mean, not everybody switching up their starter, right? You still got the hella bucks. You still got, I guess, Jake Ottinger, You still got a handful of guys, you know, J- Jordan Bennington, but, backups came in some some other starters came in elsewhere so all the central division teams are going to be trying to figure out their goaltending this year so i don't know if we need to really panic about that but i think what you really got to look like look at is the injuries right i mean we're still seeing Val valinichushkin walking around on crutches so i very doubtful he's ready to go by you know the by puck drop night one um i think I think they did a good job of keeping some injuries under wraps. I think a lot more abs players were hurt than that, that we were led to believe definitely. after that. Right. I mean, definitely you got, I I people that come to mind for me are, are Devon tapes, right? I, at the end of the regular season, he wasn't even playing. And then the playoff start, he jumps right back in the lineup. Like he's magically healed. Well, you can't tell me he's just magically healed after playing the, that playoff run. So who knows how healthy he's really going to be going into the season. I mean, all these guys, right. They were, they gave a lot. They gave it all in that playoff run, and um, they might still be feeling it not only to start the season, but as the season kind of trickles on um, throughout the year. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean that's, you, a, that's you heard... a great point. I mean, McKinnon,
0: he didn't play a full month in the entire season. Landeskog had surgery, did not play until game one against Nashville. I, do, I don't think we've seen the last of that, really of yeah. who knows if he was 100% at that point. I think Devon is a great point because while he was great in the playoffs, there were some times where he seemed like he was just a step slow, like there was something bothering him. And I'm not convinced Miko Ranston got out of there unscathed either. He, he seemed like there were some times where he was really fighting. Yep, I mean, he was, uh, in the playoffs, no one gets through unscathed, but it seems like there were a bunch of guys that were really fighting some stuff off.
2: I'll tell you this. I was underneath uh amelie arena after game four right and for some reason in tampa bay they have it had it set up where the media section is literally just sitting right there as the players walk through you probably you probably picked that up as you saw some videos throughout the uh, (laughs) final there um and the guys so many of them were limping their way past me and so a lot of those guys we just named right nathan mckinnon being one of them you could tell He was bad. Everybody was battling. I mean, Zach Bogosian, for God's sakes, he looked like he was crying in a shower, right? He just had his head down his hair cover in his eyes and he's just like left, right, left, right, all the way to the door. (laughs) Just get me to this door. Um, yeah. So there, I think there's a a lot more that, uh, wasn't really revealed to us as far as how banged up these guys were. Yeah, it it was, I mean,
1: McKinnon said in that podcast he did, he heard his hand in the celebration when Eric Johnson fell on him. So, um, (laughs) It's gonna be that. it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be a hell of a uh a hell of a season. I, I know we're ready for it to get going, but I want to transition. You talked about being in the arena. What was it like? Because were you there for game six too? I was, yep. How, what what was that like? Like because obviously there's the unspoken rule as journalists when you're at the press box, you can't cheer for your team. Um, how hard is that to not cheer for a team you cover?
2: It's hard. It's hard. Uh, I mean, this is my eighth season doing it, though, so I feel like I've gotten pretty good at it. Um, I learned pretty quickly that it's it's kind of a no-go to cheer whatsoever. Of course, there's still some light, like, oh, shoot that, or, you know, oh, oh, how do you miss that? Um, and, of course, in the Stanley Cup final, I think some of those rules kind of get pushed aside. For example, I was sitting right next to the Tampa Bay uh, PR team, and they were... They weren't holding anything back. They were openly cheering for the team. So I'm like, well, if you guys can say it here, um, but no, yeah, there's definitely a fine line between cro- crossing it. Um, Connor McGahee, he didn't necessarily have a radio booth. They just had him open in the regular press box, right? So he's just standing in front of me, screaming and yelling. So that helped <laughs> kind of loosen that.
0: I, I I love that image in
2: my head of just Connor McGahey basically just in the press box going nuts. Yeah, exactly. And me behind him, like trying to look around him at what's going on. Um, yeah, it, it was an awesome energy. It was it was surreal, to be honest with you, not only being at the game, watching the team um, live because, you know, I, I. In 96, I was seven years old and, uh, you know, it went to game game fourth, triple overtime as a seven year old, I fell asleep. I didn't make it to triple overtime, <laughs> so I missed the first Stanley Cup. My family is from Spain, and growing up, I used to go to Spain every single summer. So in 2001, I left after game four, I think it was, and oh. I, missed, I missed that Stanley Cup as well. So oh. I, I just had to be in that building for that one and getting to see the the boys raise the cup and getting to be on the ice afterwards. I mean, a lot of people getting emotional a lot of guys that you probably knew weren't coming back. You had to, you know, go and say, Hey, thanks. Thanks for being awesome to cover. Cause not everybody's awesome to cover. Right. And, and um, you know, the guys like Darcy Kemper were just nice. There's just, some people are just nice guys. Some people are a little bit pretentious. So um, yeah, it it was, it was a, a, it was like a dream. I mean, that's the only way I could put it as professional as I try to stay in this, you know, journalism role. It, it was, it was unreal to be there and see all the players firsthand go through those emotions. Cause you know, we hit the ice as media, we hit the ice at the exact same team at the exact same time as all the wives and family did. Oh yeah, right. So we're witnessing all the wives jump up and all the players like, Oh my God, we did it. Kiss, 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 hugging their parents. So yeah, just seeing, just seeing the human side of the players, which is so hard to see in this day and age, especially with the, with no locker room access, it was just, um It was awesome. It was a, an experience I'd never trade. But going back to the nazim Kadri conversation, it was literally that the second I saw him throw that Stanley Cup in the air was when I said, he's gone. You know, he he crossed. Yeah. He got to check this one off of his list. Now he has to check the make tons of money category. Yeah. He
1: deserves it, too. I I thought this is where Griffin and I would be screwed. Um, do I think that we will ever be invited to the press box? No. no. And the biggest reason why is because, People have watched games with us. They've seen us during our watch songs. No chance in hell I could be professional there. I would be kicked out of there so fast because I'd be cheering so loud. And um, it's I always love talking to the media members because this is your guys's job. But obviously, when you're around the team so much and you grew up in the area and you've done stuff and covered the team and cheered for them, there's that hard part where I don't think fans realize it. And I always love. Uh, just asking them that because I, I for one do not have the the professionalism to hold it in. Because um, even the video we posted when we won, Griffin and I both were just screaming like buffoons. So oh yeah, I um, was
0: I was a, like the last five minutes like we like we were in Ball Arena for the watch party. I, I I was a wreck. Like I'm cursing and everything. I'm losing my mind and just hugging the people next to me. <laughs> it was. It was just such a great experience to to see them win the whole thing. It's yeah. I imagine it was an even better experience to see that in person. What interaction stuck out the
2: most to you, like with a player going on the ice after they won? Um I think Gabe Landiskog stuck out the most to me. I, it was Peter Baugh and I were standing there, and I think a, a a news channel, perhaps a local one, you know, one of those four, seven, thirty one one of those guys, and he starts talking about Eric Johnson and and starts getting emotional and it's like man of all the chances you had to get emotional so far tonight because this was already late into the celebration things were starting to wind down and and he's still there getting emotional just talking about his friend eric johnson and how happy he is for him not even for himself not talking about the team specifically eric johnson and it just that that just shows you the the bond that they had in that locker room not just Gabe and ej but everybody right they did it for each other. They went out there and battled. Valachuskin playing on a broken foot. Andrew Cogliano diving after pucks, even with broken hands and limping his way off the ice. They did it for each other, and and you felt that. And um, yeah. I, I Along with that, I would say even Eric Johnson. He he kind of dropped the bomb on. Us right in front of me that he was thinking about retiring last year, right? I think that's that's not something any of us expected. We knew he was battling and having a hard time getting back on the ice, but retirement, um, him and I are the same age. If had I been drafted to the NHL, that was my draft class. So, um, for him to be, you know, talking about retirement right there it kind of threw me back saying, Wow, um, I guess he's he's getting older than I thought. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd say those two were awesome. The post party. For sure. Uh, I would say the, the interaction I had with, with Pavel Fransuz. I'm sure you heard he was one of the more.
1: Oh, yeah. I heard he was the drunkest
2: there, man. Oh, h- hands down. And uh, yeah, him him and I exchanged hugs. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's something I definitely didn't expect. That's
1: uh, so cool. Were you uh, there's that video? Uh, I remember when they're walking out, it's Bo, Gabe and someone else. And they go, I think Gabe tells uh, Peter, you're fucking right, Peter. Were, were you near Peter when that happened?
2: Uh, you mean when they're riding the escalator up, or I think, it was, I I think when they're, they're leaving in, the arena, yeah, they're like in the hallway leaving. I think that's the one Christian's talking about, yeah. Uh, so, I actually had left the arena, I hurried up and did my post game podcast with Arif. Arif went and did his nerdy reporter thing and started typing up articles. <laughs> I went and started drinking some Heineken's at the Marriott across the street. So, uh, so, um, I was kind of just Looking for a place to uh, let loose a little bit, right? Um, it, it's hard for media, especially having covered the team for eight years, the ups and downs we've been through as well. So, um, it, there was a slight part that felt like we were a part of the Stanley Cup, right? I know Mike Chambers got a, a ton of flack for posting oh, his picture. Yeah. Um, you know, I may or may not have had something to do with that, with him taking that picture <laughs> at the cup. Um. But you know it, it's a grind, and so we felt like we had to uh, let loose and celebrate as well. So yeah, I was I was waiting for the uh, after party across the street with a couple other As Media guys, and I was getting busy on the Heinekens. <laughs> Didn't sleep that I, night, by the way. It,
1: it it's the dream, man. Like you live the dream. Like that's when you when you cover a team, that is the dream, and you got to live it. So I I never understood that. I know Chambers got a lot of shit for it, and it was the people who were giving him shit where other blue check marks like these fucking. Like other journalists say, I would never do that. Yeah. Okay. If you're in a room with the Stanley Cup and they offer, if you want to take
0: a picture with it, if, if Gabe 100%, Landeskog 100%. tells me to hold something, I don't care what it is. I'm holding it. If it's the Stanley Cup,
2: yeah, you know, well, I might do it. Now, yeah, to that point, that's exactly what I've been saying is if Gabe Landeskog hands you the Stanley Cup, tell me that your first reaction isn't to immediately throw it in on top oh, of yeah. and, and raise it up. That's what you've seen everybody do it your entire do with it your entire life. Why wouldn't you? You know, you want to know. I mean, everybody has that question in the back of their mind. Can I lift the cup over my head? Is it as easy as they make it look? So, of course, you get in your hands. You're like, boom, right above you. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, it, it, it it's yeah. I don't know. It was it was a wild night. I actually never told these stories before, and I uh, am trying my hardest to tiptoe too many details because I <laughs> kind of promised I wouldn't tell too many of these stories
1: but that, that's great, man. That is like, I, we wanted to stay. I think we stayed in the arena after the game for like 45 minutes, just like cheering and hugging random people. Um, but I, I, I got an, is it, is it as intimidating as it looked to ask questions in the press conference? Cause I know for one, like if I was up and like Gabe Landeskog's looking at me, I, I don't know if I could get the words out. Like, it, did you ever, how long did it take for you to get over that?
2: Um, I guess you have to keep consider that my first year covering the team, Patrick Waugh was the head coach. Oh, um, okay. So yeah. No, no one was more intimidating in a press conference than Patrick Waugh. So I feel like I got that fear. Out of the way, very young. Yes, I asked some dumb questions to Patrick Wah. Yes, he made me feel dumb for asking them. Um, but, you know, you also learn to ask those good questions. So uh, it, it was actually more fun once the uh, the se- the semifinals got involved, right? The Western Conference Finals. The NHL kind of came and took over. So rather than the Avalanche PR team being in charge and them saying, all right, guys, free for all your questions. And it's really who's the best interrupter that gets a question in, right? And so... <laughs> At that point, you had some uh, Broncos media. You had people who haven't been covering the Avalanche, jumping into press conferences, asking their questions above guys like, you know, me, Ryan Bolding, who had been there for so long just because they're better at interrupting. But when the NHL stepped in, it was a lot more controlled. It was more of a raise-your-hand type of thing. The NHL didn't know who any of us local people were, so they didn't have any favorites, really. They tended to sometimes lean towards the national guys. But, yeah, you just raise your hand. They call on you. You have a couple – you know that they give you your they'll tell you like all right you're you're second to ask the question after this one so you got a little bit to make sure you don't stumble over your words rehearse it a couple times in your head that's how i always do it to make sure because man it is a little bit nerve-wracking knowing like not only are the professionals here listening to my question but people on tv all over the world are listening yeah. to my question right now so don't fuck this up right um yeah, so yeah, I, I sit there and I'm a little bit too in my head about the questions I ask because it's it, it hurts to ask a dumb question and it, it's painful to uh, get called out when you when you sound stupid.
0: Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can feel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000, and if you don't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Even though hockey's over, there is still plenty to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, and best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, back to the episode. See, because that's what I think I'd do. Like, Griffin, I don't know about you, but I, I would, i
1: probably just sit there in silence for the first, like, 20 I did, just be like, okay, what can I ask him? What mood's he in? Um, I just, yeah, I, especially yeah. now that a lot of these press conferences are broadcasted, too, that just adds a whole different element of, holy fuck, this is and, terrifying.
2: And that's the other thing, too. When I first got going, there wasn't as nearly as much media covering this team i mean i look back to that 48 point season and there was literally four of us that were typically in that press conference me aj hayfleet mike chambers and terry fry so terry fry you know how he is he has this very and i love him he he's an awesome guy so i'm not meaning this to uh you know talk shit about him whatsoever but he has kind of a journalism etiquette i guess unwritten rule right yeah so when i was there i was young and i'm like shoot terry fry's here he's gonna give me shit if i'm not asking questions so i gotta step up if i want to be in this room i need to ask questions so um you know credit to terry fry he unknowingly mentored me in uh, getting comfortable and asking questions in the press conferences
1: love it love it
2: um what was uh is the edmonton press room as cool as it looked on tv so I didn't get to go to Edmonton. I only traveled for the Lightning series. Just, um, I think in the Mile High Sports budget, there was only room for one of us. I gave it to Arif because you know he's the the go getter, the journalist, and out of us too. I'm more of the you know the the host, the the broadcaster. So, um, I I only went to Tampa Bay. I wish I could have gone to Edmonton, but from what I heard, Edmonton just a, a much more boring city. I personally, I love Florida. I'm the type of person that would move there in a heartbeat. If I got the opportunity, I know that's hit or miss with people a lot. Like, um, a lot like Sam Gerard Right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, going to Tampa Bay, it just, it, it was a no brainer for me. I was so happy that it, we didn't have to end up going to Madison square garden because I wouldn't have been as excited. Um, but yeah, I feel like I missed out not going to Edmonton for sure.
1: I mean that, that pressure out, Griffin, you saw it, right? Oh yeah. It, it looks like it's just a like everyone on the street can see them. So <laughs> I, it looked beautiful, but I, uh, I'm always just so intrigued about like the, cause we only really get to see like those little brief moments. So like the behind the scenes of what the reporters go through every day, um, is, is crazy. Cause like we, we had Peter on, when was that Griffin? Probably four months ago.
0: I think it was like right before the deadline or something. like Yeah. That. Yeah.
1: We had mom for like 15, 20 minutes. Like uh, that dude is so busy and doing so many things. Oh, yeah. Here are you kind of the same way where it's just like the Avs will give you like a 30 minute heads up that a press conference is happening and then you got 30 minutes to get down there?
2: Um, Yeah. So I guess pulling back the curtain, right? This is kind of a second job for me. It's, it's more of a hobby that pays me. My main gig, I, I work in real estate and I'm a real estate agent by day and, and hockey guy by night. So yeah, I I fit things in where I can, right? But you know that's where I really give Arif the driver's seat right that's his role that's his if he has to drop everything he's doing and head to pepsi center he drops everything he's doing and heads to pepsi center so i do things kind of where i can because that's just kind of my role um peter peter is a dedicated journalist right he spent the latter since the trade deadline as a co-host on our podcast and he couldn't always make it why because he's writing 100 articles he's got 100 things he's working on right you only see what he spits out one article at a time but he works on these articles you know all the time an article yep. he publishes he might have started it six months ago you know what I mean so um, he just—he's just he's just a he's just a reporter in every sense of the word he's he's great at it he's great at the journalism side of it and I'm I mean I'm just so blown away at how much he's learned about hockey in his short time here because he came into this a uh, football guy right yeah. i remember when he walked in i'm like who, who the hell is this guy the athletic just hired a nobody out of college um but no he quickly turned himself into an expert and you know has gained a lot of respect from a lot of people in colorado so far so props to peter i don't know i think i took that in a different direction than what you asked oh me. no you're um, you're
1: good that, that's kind of that's kind of where because when we had peter on i, I was lucky I, I just shot him an email out of the blue and i was like hey man would you be interested in coming out show and showing? he goes i can do like 20 minutes Wednesday at like 3 p.m. I'm like, really, oh,
0: yeah. mean, we can uh, make Christian, it work. Christian, I, have a sto- I don't know if I've ever even told you the story. The first time I had Peter on, or at least the full story, is I had him booked for like 15 minutes, like two hours before a game. And at one point, he hits me. He's like, I have 15 minutes right now, and I'm not going <laughs> to have it later. And so I can, I can do right now. So I literally, the first time I ever talked to Peter, I literally did it in my pajamas at like 11 in the morning.
2: <laughs> Respect right. his time. That's more than he, I can like say he, for myself. He,
0: Peter is amazing. I've, I've loved having him on in the past and he is just such a, a hard worker and just been such an excellent addition to this AVS circle over the last couple of years. It's you're right. He's such a hard
2: worker. It's a pleasure. He has like oh a. That- he has that unique perspective where it's not hockey-based, right? I mean, my brain has been poisoned by hockey since I was <laughs> six years old, so I come from a very, you know, old-school mindset. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of my opinions you hear across the league, but Peter comes in with his own. He doesn't think about what happened in the past because he doesn't even really know what happened in the past. He just tells it the way he sees it, and that, and that's it.
1: I love it. I love it. Um he tells well, it as it is. There it is. There's there it is. There's there it is. the she name I there it that. is. There it is. Um, what was your uh, what was your favorite moment from this past season? Outside the Stanley Cup, what do you remember as whether it was on the show um or anything? Like what, what was your favorite moment of last year?
2: Oh man, that one catches me off guard a bit. Um <laughs> I mean like I said, I lived the dream on the final. So that it, it's hard to not just think immediately to the final. I missed the first uh, three weeks of the season because I hadn't been vaccinated yet, and Ball Arena put their foot down. So, um, you know, I had to let that sink in. So then you, you know, I hopped in and we had about a month of consecutive play, and then the, the there was a COVID pause. Yep. Um And then you had January, right? January was unreal. I think if you just look at January, what was it? I think they won 16, 15-0-1. 15, 15 yeah, 16, 16 games. No, yeah. yeah. What not a not to mention
0: 17 won. games in 31 days. Like it was, it was a lot to shove right in there.
2: Right. And it all kind of started from that Columbus back-to-back loss, right? They, they yes. turned things around and they, they, I don't know what it was. Well, they woke up and you yeah. remember Nathan McKinnon was in and out of the lineup. He couldn't yeah. really get going. Um. So shoot, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it was
0: like, there was the McKinnon thing. Byram had the concussion at that point, like right when that run started, like this, th- there was a lot that happened this season. It all kind of gets blocked by the fact that we won, but there was a lot of stuff that right. happened this season.
2: And I think, you know, the most iconic moment of the year has to be, in the St. Louis series when Nazim Kadri's going through the water ball tossing incident and then he steps in that next game and scores that first goal, right? He ended up with a hat trick, but that yep. first goal when he holds his hand to his ear. I mean, I think that might have been that has to be my that's favorite. A, that's a really career. good answer. I like that yeah. a lot. See, was, like
1: for me, for me, I'm gonna go off the beaten path, Griffin, and then I'll go first. My my favorite memory is is the Toronto game when we played them at home, came back down from three-nothing, and that was just I want to say it may have been Pavel Francosa's like second or third game back, and he comes in for Kemper, who gets shelled in the first period. And just that comeback, the pass by Miko to JT, and the goal by Devon Taves at the end was just – that that was by far my favorite moment.
2: And then if I'm not mistaken, the very next game was against Seattle, and they were losing and then just – came back and
0: yeah there was that took again, over in that third period. There was that run in January where mm-hmm. they just had a ridiculous amount of comebacks even when they're losing by multiple goals you're like yeah but it's not over yet. So I have two answers to that. Mine's a different comeback in January and it was Boston. That to me told me this oh, team was is great game. very different and this team can handle a lot. Second one, you already answered it. The Nazem Kadri hat trick against St. Louis and also just coming to Denver for the first time, coming to Colorado for the first time and getting to meet A bunch of people, easily one of my favorite moments of my life, my young life so far. But yeah, this season has been unbelievable.
2: Yeah, for me, it was the end of that St. Louis Blues series when I really believed. That's when I was really like, okay, now I think the Avalanche absolutely have a shot. It wasn't because of these, oh, second round demons that they finally shook. It's the way they played that series. It's the way they faced some of that adversity, the way they responded to it. I mean... K.O. McCarr has to be the only player I've ever seen in my entire life in my 27 years of hockey that somebody can come up and cross check him across the forearms and he'll just skate away. Right. And and then you saw that throughout the whole team uh, in that St. Louis series. And you're like, this team has the mindset. They are focused. They are not letting anything get in the way, including dumb distractions like this. And yeah, so. I, I don't know when, when it finally clicked for you guys, but it was late for me because I was hesitant. I was like, there's a chance anything can happen in the playoffs. They've blown it before. Let's not get too excited. But once they cleared that St. Louis hurdle, I was like, all right, they, they, they're going to get this done.
1: I, I think for me too, like I don't disagree. Like I we always said, I think at the beginning when we first started doing the show, we were saying like, this team's going to win a cup. Like the, the expectation is they're going to win a cup, but I don't think you're crazy. I mean, for me, when Darren Helm scored that goal in game six, I Griffin was sitting right next to me and I looked at him and we both were in shock. I, I think at that moment I was like, okay, this team's legit. Like they, they dominated that game. They they dominated game six. They had made two mistakes and St. Louis had scored on both the mistakes and to come back and win that game. I I think after that game, I knew it it wasn't a question of if it was just when, when are they going to win the cup?
2: Um, Right. And then when Calgary got bounced too, you're like, okay, now, now the road got a little bit easier.
1: Yeah. and um, we, we both thought Griffin. And I thought that Calgary was frauds all year. So yeah. No uh, center
0: depth.
2: Yeah. So
1: that I, I don't think you're crazy to say it was that long, but you, you kind of go through it. Like we talked all year on the show about how they don't have second round demons. They don't have all this stuff, but it, it's definitely like a, it's something on your shoulder when you think about it. until they get over it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you just don't know. And they finally
2: got over it when Helm scored that
1: and, um, that was crazy. Were you in the building for that one?
2: Uh, no. So I was actually, like I said, <laughs> I, I juggled his real estate yeah. gig and the abs gig at the same time. So I was actually in California for that one, um, at a, at a little work conference.
1: Oh God. I'm sorry, man. See Griffin's still a college student, so he doesn't, he, he doesn't work quite yet. Uh, he doesn't have a big boy job quite yet. Um, that's kind of me too. I balance this. I'm a general manager of four restaurants. So I, uh, I do this on the side as well. But uh, yeah, um, I just, the I I don't know what else to say. Like we said all year with this team, what else do they do? What else can they do? And now we're talking about them Stanley cup champions. And here we are going into 2023 and it's like, well, they shouldn't do it again. So yeah. we like may become a little there's, slow.
0: There's nothing left to really hold against this team anymore. They're young, they're locked up. They've got the winning experience and there's not a lot in their way to stop them. I feel like it's the same story as last season that really the only thing that can stop this team is themselves.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing I've realized since the cup win is just how amazing the fan base is, right? I oh. mean, the the not only here locally, because when things when the Avalanche get good, things around here locally get crazy right you start yep. seeing people whip out their old abs jerseys you see hats with dust on them and it turns into a hockey town really quickly but the contingency of abs fans that are outside of the state is is unreal i i can't believe that they have so many fans considering you know it's just denver i think maybe the broncos have a ton of uh, a ton of out of state fans as well but i feel like the avalanche are right up there with them so i'm always impressed by the way Avs fans and just Colorado fans in general turn out when there's a successful team around.
1: It was yeah, crazy. I I, that that parade was one of the best. I, I went to the Broncos when they won in 2015. Um, but going to this one was, it was just as many people, if not more. Um, we actually got some good seats along there. It, it was an unreal experience. Even the lightning of getting potentially struck by lightning in that parade was not going to tear us away. We had a blast there. Well, we ended up walking Griffin, like 20,000 steps that day.
0: <laughs> oh it, yeah absolutely we definitely went at least like Crazy. miles that entire day because we started yeah. at the front like where it started we walked the entire way down and then like halfway back to get our seats
1: yeah
2: what was the wildest moment you guys witnessed did you guys see anybody drinking? oh yeah out of- nico
0: Sturm, uh like caught a beer like walked up right in front of us and just chugged it like right in front of us gave us a whole show it was well awesome. no there was
1: that thing too remember near the end when gabe and uh the team went by someone threw a beer and it looked like it missed the bus. And I don't know what kid it hit. I think it may have hit Gabe's kid, one of Gabe's kids. And it hit – it was like a full beer, and it hit one of Gabe's kids in the head. And that was very weird to see him go from, like, drunk partying to seeing, like, potentially his kid hurt. And he was so, – I've never seen someone get as sober as quick as he did when we saw that happen. Um, We had Lecky right in front of us chugging stuff from his shoe, chugging stuff from his jersey. <laughs> there was a guy a good... who
0: threw a jersey up to the bus and then – hopped the gate to get it back and runs after it while security is chasing him. And so like, and security didn't know what was going on. They thought this guy was just rushing the bus. And so security catches his Jersey and he's explained what I have it on video and he's like explaining to them what's going on. He's also drunk out of his mind. <laughs> and so he's trying to explain to them that they just signed his Jersey and they're all telling him, get back, or we are going to arrest you. Eventually he just gets his Jersey back and just kind of, walks back behind the line, but it was, it was towards the end of the parade. Cause it was, it was the bus with the, the Stanley cup with EJ and McKinnon and Landeskog. So there was that little moment of confusion. We didn't get, we didn't get to see the Byram thing where he almost got put behind the fence, but there was a, there was a lot of moments from that parade. When you look at all those videos. Yeah. yeah. We, we had, lost.
1: I, I lost it most when I saw I mean, my favorite player. Um, it started out as a joke. And now I legitimately think he's my favorite player is Curtis McDermott. Um, when his bus with him and Jack Johnson came by, I they think were Griffin dead. and I both collectively like just lost our shit.
0: Um, yeah. For 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 Jack Johnson, that's that's when I lost it the most because I've I've done a full character arc with him from when we signed him to now.
2: I mean, I I gotta talk about that Jared Bednar moment, right? I mean.
0: Oh,
2: yeah. He's the most cool and collected coach. And, you know, we always make jokes in the the media room like, oh, thank God we don't cover John Tortorella, right? How horrible would it be? Because Jared Bednar is the exact opposite of that. He's the most calm, never emotional in either direction. And so to see him actually get emotional and see how much that meant to him. Sure, the alcohol might have played a factor for sure. (laughs) Um, But seeing him get teary-eyed and, uh, you know, it just shows you how much – because he grinded, right? I mean, he put oh, in yeah. so much work throughout his life to to get to that moment that he really, you know, he, he let it show, just like the Gabe landis moment I alluded to earlier, right? He maybe hasn't worked as hard as Jared, or as long as Jared Bednar, but um, just seeing what it means to these guys, it, it puts the fanship, back into you a little bit because being around the team for so long getting to know some of the players and in their worst moments and their best moments you you kind of you know you get jaded you're like ah you know these guys are are rich assholes and you know they just only (laughs) care about making money and then you see them act human again and 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 the emotions come out and see how much it means to them it it reinstills that faith that like okay maybe athletes shouldn't get uh such a bad rap as they as they tend to
1: well and that's that's the thing i i loved about that parade is we know that these abs have great personalities and i feel like they always hide it so much until all that i think hockey has such a huge opportunity because they do have great personalities in the sport like i could listen to gabe Landeskog talk shit forever and ej and all that but but just just so yeah, go for
2: it. Go for it. Yeah, people ask me all the time who who's the player you think would be the coolest to hang out with. Who would you most want to get a beer with? And my answer every time is Eric Johnson, just because yeah. he's he's witty, he's smart, he's he's a funny guy when he lets it out. I mean, we've seen it since the Cup, right? All the videos he's posting and all. Oh, they're great. I mean, he's really let loose and showing that personality. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot to uh, dive into when it goes to NHL players' personalities. There's a lot a lot we don't see.
1: Yeah, there's a lot we don't see. I know we're coming up on time, so I got one last question. I think Griffin may have one more, too. Um, going back to it, I've always been intrigued. What is the press box food like at Ball Arena? Is, is it good? Like, do you guys get a pretty good selection there?
2: This is uh, I would this say...
1: Is, these are the hard-hitting questions, JJ, that you knew you were going <laughs> to give, me, give no, the No,
2: absolutely. Um, so this year was a bit different, right, because of COVID. They didn't have the... Typically, there's an under... The building buffet for pregame, you Best. just walk up, put in things w- that you want, and, and it's typically pretty good. Um, it's not the most amazing food, and then during the game, you got a, an assortment of pretzels, chips, and uh, always desserts, and they, they always get me with those damn desserts. Um,
1: I'd weigh four hundred pounds.
2: Uh, from what I hear, it's pretty standard. You know, they're not, they're ne- they're neither the top of the league nor the bottom of the league when it comes to press box snacks. Right um, where we want to be. I, I was a little spoiled because. I actually covered the the rapids for a season before covering the avalanche. And at that time, the rapids used to cater in all of their food, right? So we'd get Panera, we'd get Chick-fil-A. We... So I go to that. I, I head to the Pepsi center at the time to cover my first Avs game. I'm like, wow, if the rapids can get that kind of food, I can't wait to see what the avalanche have. And they just have popcorn and pretzels. And I was a little disappointed. Um, but when the Stanley cup, again, the NHL took over during the Western conference finals, the, the food quality, Kicked up a notch, so oh, yeah. um, it was awesome being down there. Not only getting good food, but you're sitting there eating dinner with some of the NHL media's biggest names, right? Uh, Greg Wachinski would sit with us. Um, you know, I even got to know Vic Lombardi for the first time in my eight years covering this, just by sitting together eating dinner figuring out what you guys have in common and finding something to talk about right so i think that's really the coolest part especially in the press box as well during intermission everybody leaves their seat and goes and kind of mingles talks about the game talks about you know nhl news just rub shoulders and um you know that's kind of the the behind the scenes stuff that nobody really knows and that's why i go up in that press press box and i might be the only one with this mindset but I, I'm friends with everybody up there, right? Yeah. Like I, I get along with every single media member and I go out of my way to do so because why not? When I, there's a, a couple people in that press box that have a very chip on their shoulder mentality. Like you're my competition. We're not here to be friends. Um, but for me, it's like, you know, some of these guys I've I've known my whole life. Some of these guys, right. you know, I value their opinion. So, I, you know, why not just be friends with everybody? Because at the end of the day, it's not what you know. It's who you know, right? I mean, that's perfect oh. for youngsters. That, that'll get you places <laughs> in life
1: that's kind of weird too like we we don't really see like these other uh app shows as competition it's just this is really cool that we have this many outlets and if people want to listen to us cool we, we have a great time doing the show we have a great time talking to any other hosts we're uh you, you, we're running the gauntlet of other uh pod apps podcast hosts who have come on the show now so i think we just need uh aj and rudo and Jetsy from dmvr um we need arif and then I think we're, oh, we need the locked on guys. And yeah. then we're just running the gauntlet. So um that's kind of how we see it too. Yeah. But.
0: I mean, it's it like I said at the beginning of the show, it's great that there's this much abs content out there. I don't see it as competition. I just see it as other perspectives and other forms of knowledge to, to help me and to maybe see things that I missed when I watch a game or news or something like that. Cause I'm not some omniscient being that knows everything and it's, it's just good to get more than one perspective a lot of the time. And I think we can leave it at that Uh, JJ. I know that we're kind of pressing you close here for time, but uh, we really appreciate you coming on and taking the time out of your day to join us. And I hope we can do this again soon. This was a great time.
2: Yeah. Let's do it before uh, the off season ends here. And before we get back into the, the swing of things
0: absolutely awesome. so jj if you want to take a quick second and plug a bunch of your stuff i know i know everyone listening to this already knows who you are but maybe for the few people that don't uh, go right ahead and plug anything you've been working on lately
2: no i don't i don't really i'm not into uh you know that self tire pumping right i i you can notice how quiet i am on twitter i like to just stick to hockey and i i, I tell you about when i'm there and i tell you the things i see when i'm there and, and that's it so i mean yeah just check out my podcast if you love it let me know if you hate it you know you don't really need to say anything other than that. <laughs> um, yeah, I appreciate you boys for having me on and it's been awesome. And, um, I can't wait to do it again for sure. Absolutely uh, so Take JJ care boy. of that oblique man. Yep. Yeah. Thank you very much for coming <laughs> on and hopefully we'll see you soon. Thanks again. Right on boys. Thank you.
0: All right. That was our talk with JJ Jerez of the hockey mountain high podcast. Again, thank you so much to him for taking the time out of his busy day to join us. Christian. What part of that stuck out to you the most?
1: Uh, Probably the fact that JJ was battling what sounded like a severe oblique injury Um, and just hockey tough, man. Hockey tough. He fought through it, sat down with us, had to listen to me and you talk for, God knows how long. And uh, I, I don't think he hated us at the end of it. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's a win. This, breath, this right? was one of
0: the times where I'm actually very grateful we didn't have video because randomly like halfway through a giant bug just flew like right at my face. And you could see me just like visibly flinch. Like, What the fuck? Yeah. Like, I didn't want to like freak out or like slap at anything. I, I was afraid this thing was gonna fly at me, and I was accidentally gonna like swat the microphone or something. That would have been, been great content. <laughs> a big, so. I don't know what the hell it's still flying around here because I've not dealt with it yet because I haven't stood up yet. But yeah, you're gonna have to kill that here pretty it's soon. It's still flying around here. Yeah, no, I don't okay, know what yeah. that is. Yeah, I'm
1: on my nerves yeah, now. God. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we, it was a blast. Um, definitely saved us from having to do another episode of talking about uh, nothing. So shout out JJ. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, Badwin through an injury. We did forgot to ask him if he even won the game, his beer league game. Got to ask. I'll shoot him a message afterwards. See if he won. Um, but there is some NHL news uh, and it was the second best free agent still left on the market. Uh, John Klingberg signs a one-year, $7 million deal with the Anaheim
0: Ducks. Um, An interesting solution to this. Confusing when you first see it, but when you really think about it, it actually does make a lot of sense for both sides, especially considering just how poorly this went for John Klingberg over the last three weeks. He was not expecting the market to be this wishy-washy about him. He thought he was going to get that big, at least $7 million deal for six or seven years from someone. It turns out no one's really willing to offer that anymore, even for a guy who's not even in his thirties yet. So he goes to Anaheim one year, 7 million bucks gives him a chance for next off season to restart the process and build his name back up. Cause I feel like over the last two seasons, his name's kind of been dragged in the mud a little bit. Oh, yeah. like, oh, this guy, this guy's fallen off. Miro Heiskanen's is the new guy in Dallas. Because there was a time when Klingberg was like considered one of the more underrated defensemen in the league. Yeah, and his under the under the surface numbers kind of dropped off a little bit. This gives him a chance on a younger team to build back up some of that trust. And on a one year deal, if Anaheim's not very good this year, which they probably still aren't, they trade him at the deadline to a contender three and a half million dollars. They retain half of that. They bring in a boatload of prospects or picks or at least whatever they can get for him. He gets a a crack at winning wherever that is at three and a half. That's not at all hard to fit for even the most contending teams. Like if the ABS, they're not going to do this, but they could make three and a half work somehow at the deadline. They won't, but just to use them as an example, because that's the team we all know, but contending teams can make that work. And then, let's say he goes on a playoff run or wins, then he can go collect his money in the off season, and then both sides kind of walk away from this pretty happy because he'll, he'll only be twenty nine next off season, I believe. He, he he will.
1: I imagine he'll have a pretty good year in Anaheim. He'll get a ton of ice time. He'll score a shit ton of points. I imagine. Um, like talk about that D, like Kevin Shattenkirk, and uh, I was just thinking,
0: I was just thinking about that. Like that's that's John Klingberg. A- that's, that's not, not bad. A, that's not a terrible defense. I mean, Cam Fowler, John Klingberg, Kevin Shattenkirk, Jamie Drysdale. I mean, Drysdale, he'll definitely have enough of a shelter that he doesn't need to take over a top line role. Yeah. Way.
1: Well, and then was, you got. And also, Wilson. I was wrong
0: that uh, Klingberg is going to be thirty in about two weeks, so oh, he okay. is not. So will be thirty-one, not this coming season, but the one after that. So I actually maybe this is a little more risky than I'm thinking it is.
1: It's a little risky, but I mean. That's the thing, is it's Anaheim gets looks up with their decor. I mean, it's not terrible. You got Drew Hellison coming in, former Avs
0: prospect. Yeah, I didn't Could even think good. about that. Hellison, you you don't know. He might make a little push at that this off season.
1: Or yeah, I mean Anaheim's
0: still like they were ahead of schedule last year and they they came crashing down
1: quickly. Um but there was a point, remember when they were leading the Pacific and we're like, Wait, are they gonna do this?
0: Yeah, like, I mean we were talking yeah. in January. It was like they they might have a shot here at a playoff spot. And there was a point I think where you were saying, like, I don't know, man, they they built a pretty nice cushion for themselves here, well, and like, it, it, there was a point in December where it was like the Pacific's not very good. No, they they once well you realize Vegas,
1: good. yeah. Once you realize Vegas wasn't good, yeah, and then all the wheels kind of fell off.
0: Yeah, um, but I mean, so if, I don't. Zegers can take another step if Maxime Comtois can bounce back. Klingberg Troy, had a good season. Troy Jamie, Terry. Trejo, yeah, Troy Terry has another. He had thirty-seven goals last year. I mean, yeah. Jesus. Well, they got Ryan Strom and Frank Vetrano too. Like it's That's, not like it's there's something there yeah. with Anaheim. Don't know if it's playoffs yet, but you're in a pretty good division for it if you really want to make a run at it. Okay. It's not like the Pacific's very good. It's what yeah. I I think last episode or two episodes ago I said. I think you can make the case the Pacific is the most interesting division just because of how much of a log jam there is of just like there's one good team in Edmonton potentially a good team in Vegas and everyone else is just kind of lumped into this same maybe category where you really can't predict where it's going to go.
1: No, you can't. And because what did the Pacific only had, yeah, the Pacific only had their three from their division. They didn't get any of the wild cards, yeah, they right? No
0: wild cards. It was all central. They had the, the, the flames, win it the Oilers in second and the Kings in third Surprisingly, yep. no Vegas, Vegas didn't even get a wild card spot. Dallas and Nashville took those. Seattle had, has had a great offseason. They could be something if Grubauer bounces back. That's what I mean. There's so many like I feel like San Jose is really the only team I could be like, yeah, they're they're out of it. They're not Yeah,
1: sure. I mean, Seattle, like they were so bad last year that they have to be better this year. Right.
0: So they and they were got so good bad. players. They got Bjorkstrand, they got Berkey. If Grubauer bounces back out like to a 905, that gives them something to work with. Yeah. Something to work with. But I agree the Pacific Division is gonna be interesting
1: um i mean to to end the show on on the abs part it makes you wonder is when nazem Kadri signs are we going to be a little shocked by how much it is because in our heads we've been saying it's going to be eight million like what if he only gets seven what if he only gets like
0: 6.5 are, are we
1: crazy I, I, to think, think that that could seven,
0: happen 6.5 is, it, when we're talking tomorrow is going to be august 1st by the time this episode comes out 7 6.5 is probably a lot more realistic if he got signed on day one we're probably talking closer to eight. At this point, the money is just not going to be what we were expecting when the offseason opened. Yeah, I think the real because I think six point seven or not six point five two seven, not six point seven, could be six point seven. Could be. I think I think the bigger question is turn because we've seen the rumor starting earlier today that I I forget exactly who had it. We both sent it to each other, but uh, who was the guy that had the potential scoop on Kadri to the Islanders? It was Mark Seidel. Who, is a, who works in the NHL. I mean, it's not like he is just a no-one tweeting this out. He's an independent scout for the NHL draft. And so the exact tweet says, just got off the phone with a guy that knows, and I think that Nazem Kadri is done to New York Islanders, blah, blah 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 that kind of stuff. So I don't doubt this guy heard something, but I just think things change very quickly. And with the the Islanders, like I said with J.J., if it is actually the Islanders, that's bad news for all of us because that signing might not be announced till September.
1: Yeah, quite possible because they still have to move and they have to sign a bunch of RFAs.
0: So yeah, they got to yeah. sign. I think is Wallstrom and Dobson and Romanov. No, it's Kiefer Bellows, not Wallstrom, but it's Bellows, uh, Dobson,
1: Wallstrom would have been
0: sick because what if we did like a sign and trade like they did in Calgary and we got Wallstrom in return? That would be a lot of fun if we could do that. Yeah. But but Dobson and Romanov are the big ones. But if they can get them on some good bridge deals, they'd probably still have some money, like maybe six or seven to throw at Nas. Probably still have to make a move somewhere in that area to make it all work. But we've kind of talked about Nas probably going to the Islanders for a little bit. It could be announced by the time this episode comes out tomorrow morning. It could also not be announced until training camp. That's how it out. Like The the Zach Parisi thing from last year was a joke. We knew from before free agency opened that he was signing with the Islanders. He signed that contract like a week after free agency. We didn't know for sure until September 1st. Yeah. That's a, that that's ridiculous. How is that even allowed?
1: I don't know. But I mean, like that's the thing is it's like, I mean, maybe there's a chance for Chris McFarland to, uh, to steal some stuff from Lou Lamorello again, and maybe get someone he's trying to dump to sign another guy. I mean, maybe
0: who maybe. knows. I mean, it's kind of just where we're at with Nas right now. It's, he's kind of the last little thing holding some stuff up. I think once he signs, we'll start to see like some of the Stasny's and the Rodriguezes come off the market.
1: What if I'm going to throw a hypothetical out, and I want you to he- hear me out on this. What if it's a sign-and-trade, we trade, they get Nas to sign, and you trade Sam Gerard and you get Matt Barzell back? Would you make that trade? No. No, you don't
0: think so? No, I don't think so.
1: You don't think so? I, I, don't I mean not think it, they
0: it, trade Barzell for Gerard
1: Well, you get Kadri signed. I mean, they already have Kadri I mean, signed. So. I mean,
0: sign and trade is... It happened with Kachuk in, like, the loosest of terms.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Plus, let's just say, just...
0: And plus, they could just sign Kadri. Yeah. And not, and not have to deal with the headache of getting robbed by the abs again.
1: I'm just saying if Lou Lemereau wants to be stupid, I'm all for it again.
0: And plus, like... <laughs> Barzell's like the only young player on this goddamn team. <laughs> yeah, if they want to go all like in, that. if they want to go all in on just being the oldest team in the NHL, I mean, go right ahead.
1: Yeah, well, there was rumors that that's why Torts got uh, got canned was because him and Barzell were beefing. Trotz, you mean? Yeah, that's what I said. Didn't I? You
2: said Torts? Did I say Torts. Yeah. Oh,
1: sorry, yeah. Trotz. I mean, that, that's that's kind of the rumor on the street is why he got canned is because him and Barzell were beefing which we all know Barry Trotz just loves young guys. He loves
0: young players. And and then that's why Brock Nelson was getting first line minutes. And instead. I like Brock Nelson. Brock Nelson's good. I'm not saying Brock Nelson sucks. I'm just saying Matt Barzell is kind of your guy offensively that you're trying to build around. Maybe trust him. I don't know. Maybe. Barry Trotz, great coach. As long as you give him no one below the age of 26. He's going to be Matt Barzell for the next team he plays for. is going to be fucking sick. <laughs> He's going to be mean, maybe it. Lane Lambert will be like, yeah, you can go shoot the puck. You don't yeah. have to constantly be on the back check every single shift.
1: Well, dump chase maybe chase. It, may just it also sh-
0: would help if they gave him someone more than Zach Parisi and Kyle Palmieri to work with, but you know, hey,
1: you know. we're just speaking facts here.
0: Um, but
1: yeah, man, it, it's, it's, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm sure when we go on and, release our Thursday episode, we'll probably talk about it again because nothing else will fucking happen. Yeah,
0: because there will be nothing. Nothing. So, um,
1: once again, thanks to JJ for coming on the show. I got nothing else, man.
0: Yeah, this was a pretty fun one. Like Christian said, thank you to JJ for coming on. And, yeah. This is pretty much <laughs> it for, for right now. There's no abs new. They haven't made any trades. Not even a, not even a Maltsev sign to joke about this time. But... Less Christian, I mean, you've already said you're done. Les, you're getting some wisdom in your head at the last second. No, nah, man, I'm ready to go into off-season mode. I think we're pretty much good. So, again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. As always, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at GYoungsNHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay, and you can follow the show at till it as it is if you ordered a shirt they will be shipped out to you in very short order christian has them and he is working on shipping them out right now they're literally right next to him and he will get them shipped out to you as soon as when you're listening to this they'll be shipped out they'll be shipped out and you'll be getting your hands on them pretty soon same story with the stickers thank you so much to everyone who ordered them But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. Enjoy the rest of your week, but until then, let's go Abs.